integrating in, in a very direct way is that's just well known as, as the, what, what makes life meaningful. So seeking out these experiences of things that you're genuinely curious about. For me, it was, I was curious about these, these, these farms, these ranches, like where does the food actually come from? I think if everyone, everyone listening does look at some of their local farms and ranches, I bet a good amount of them do offer tours or would be open to you coming to maybe even volunteer or help out depending on where you're located. That's, so that's a big reason why I, I always try and train outside is because if I do have free time, I don't want to be inside uh, training in a gym. I'm going to be outside barefoot, getting sunshine. So having as few pieces of clothing on as possible, though I haven't, I haven't transitioned to like the thong yet or like the, you know a speedo i'm still wearing shorts so i got you know those upper thighs i, I should probably be more bold and start I haven't, I haven't gone to that level yet but you know always always outside on the earth in the sun when i can be that's 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 a big principle of health and when you're outside the trees are giving all kinds of healing cofactor beneficial air volatile volatile aromatic compounds like phyton sides for example which is well known to boost mood and increase energy and decrease cortisol levels and that's just one small example that the trees give us that you're not going to get you're actually going to get the opposite of so you're moving from a degenerative system being inside under blue light being disconnected from sunlight disconnected from earthing and being pumped full of these toxic chemicals and compounds versus being outside. You've got the sunshine, you've got the earthing, you've got the beneficial groovy gas from all the trees around you. And now you're, you're thinking about something that's more than just fitness and body. It's a full body, mind, vitality practice that is elevating your health at a cellular level. This is Decentralized Radio. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ryan. The goal of this podcast is to help educate you on how to live your most optimal life. We will host industry expert guests to shed light on topics that matter. We are not gurus, rather two individuals who have had to pave their own path to health and vitality, independent of the centralized systems that plague modern society. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Decentralized Radio. We got Case on the line. Case, how's it going, brother? What's up? How's it going? It's been about a year since I was on your podcast and we connected in person. So yeah, it's just, it wasn't planned um, really, but I know we've been kind of trying to get you on here for a few weeks. So glad we, we made it happen. Overdue. Absolutely. Me too. Yeah. Stoked. I, I remember we, we connected out, uh, hung out at the beach, grilled some steaks and just talked about health stuff. For the the entire time, we're just riffing on on various topics of vitality, you know, food system type stuff. So it's stoked to connect with you and talk talk again, talk more. Always learn uh, more about things when when we connect and have conversations. So looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, and and Case is one of those people who definitely you know walks the walk and probably talks to talk less. So more action. Uh, than the than the most influencers out there, so it's cool and yeah, especially in the calisthenic stuff you do, it's and it's fun and you make it fun. So the way you post and everything, it's it's kind of a a very wholesome way to to bring people into this space, which I think is important because there's a lot of you know it's easy to get like you need to do X, Y, and Z and stuff, but we have seen a little bit of dark case case recently. <laughs> which I've been enjoying um, regarding the food system and kind of these, it's just funny the divide between like the gym bros, the, the fitness bros. And then I guess what we would call ourselves are like the, the health bros, because there, there's certainly some stark contrast in that. And yeah, I guess that's, you know, a good transition is 
your story, your background, like how did you get into the health space? Because yeah, most most guys stop at kind of like the fitness point and then, you know, they're eating healthier, they're working out, but they're not really going down all these rabbit holes, with issues with the food system, regenerative agriculture, you know, grounding, earthing, movement outside, why that matters. So obviously both of us have gone way down these rabbit holes and we have, you know, rekindled vitality because of that. So how did you, you know, start the health journey and then what kept pushing you further and further to, to realize the importance of these, I guess, more so esoteric aspects? I'm 33 now. So I grew up in the nineties. I think like a lot of people who grew up in the nineties, we were just eating a standard American diet and had no real idea of any other way of eating. And it wasn't until I was like 20, in my early 20s, I think I was 21, 22, I heard Rob Wolf on the Joe Rogan experience talk about the paleo diet, tried that. And it pretty much almost fully resolved acne I'd had for like 10 years and a lot of depression and anxiety, really just from like re removing wheat and, and being more aware about the cooking and, and the cooking oils, like the, the seed oils and, and the sugars. And then from there, unfortunately, I fell for a lot of the plant-based propaganda that was being promoted in the mid 2010s. So I was like 25 at the time and got under the impression that uh, meat was in some ways bad, like eat, eating meat caused you know, too many missions and it was bad for the animals and it was actually healthier to eat plants instead, healthier for you, healthier for the, the planet. And I tried that for a while, it actually made me a lot worse. And I learned firsthand that that was nonsense, uh, a bunch of lies. And then what saved me from that was learning about regenerative agriculture. So for me, it was never really a story of, of nutrition as it's commonly promoted. It was more about agriculture and anyone who starts to learn about nutrition eventually gets to agriculture, but some people get stuck in that nutrition, you know, macro nutrient calorie belief system, and they never really dig into the next layer, which is, okay, well, where does this stuff actually come from? I think 99% of people have never been to a farm where their food comes from. And if you're never going to experience it firsthand, if you're never thinking about it, you don't really understand nutrition if you don't get to that next layer of agriculture. Yeah, I think that's an important point to harp on because, yeah, it's just like you, you have this full circle connection. And like you said, it's so easy, so many people to just stop at you know, oh, this is, you know, higher protein, lower calories, I'm moving more. Um, yeah, they make zero connection. They just go to the grocery store. But if you do dive in through the farm system and start integrating it, yeah, to me, it's almost impossible then to not become just like very aware of everything. And because that all translates, you know, the health of the soil, the health of the animal, the nutrient quality. And now we have data finally to like back that up it's like you didn't even really need it it's just logical common sense was there a specific farm or ranch or experience that kind of really set you in that mindset or, or really you know turned you on to just living that it's been a slow slow progression over time i have visited apricot lane farms which is here in southern california it was featured in biggest little farm that documentary which mm -hmm. is a, a powerful story from land that was decrepit and degenerated and they brought in farm animals set up this amazing polyculture system where they've got ducks eating the snails and chickens following the uh herds of, of they actually don't have that many cattle actually they but they do have 
cows, it, it's an amazing system because it's different from what you'd see at like a white oak pasture. So this is in, in Southern California where it, we get a lot of sunshine, not a lot of rain. There's a ton of fruit trees and orchards and they do have uh, a polyculture system, but it's very different from what you would see at like from like a Joel Salatin system or, or a Will Harris system over at, at white oak pastures or, or polyface farms on, on the East coast where there's, there's more rain and, and less sunshine. So it, it was, that was an eye-opening experience to be on the farm and, and seeing this all play out where you need the manure, you need the poop, you need all the animals working, working together in the system. And then from, from there going to Rome ranch and that's outside of Austin, Texas for, for a bison harvest and, and being on a bison ranch was also an amazing experience. And before that, there's, there's a lot of documentaries that, that one can watch to be turned onto this stuff and see like, Oh, this is a little bit more aligned with, with truth. It just resonates in a different way versus hearing kind of, what would be essentially a, a long commercial for plant-based protein is, is what a lot of the vegan or plant-based propaganda videos are. It, it's like a, a long commercial for, for pea protein in a lot of ways. For, and it's like this whole processed food mindset where, okay, so my, my metric for eating what to eat is, is like grams of protein. That means something is good. Well, that's, that's obviously nonsense. And if we think about what food is, it, it's like a transference of energy from, from a state, a certain system or state of nature that we're then consuming. And you could really remove all the metrics, all like the micronutrients, the calories, the protein grams, and then try and perceive what is going to give you the most energy. And it's interesting to think about it through it, through that lens. Oh yeah. And the type of energy as well. Like we don't even, we can't even comprehend that. And I was, I was talking to my girlfriend about that. Like the what's the difference between fresh and frozen meat? She actually asked me that. She's like, is there a difference? Do you know of anything from like a micronutrient standpoint or enzymes? And I was like, to be honest, I don't know because I don't think there'd be any difference, you know, quantifiably in the, you know, current realm. But we know that, you know, like water can hold memories and water, you know, in its coherent form. So if you freeze something and then it's, you know, sitting in your freezer, versus you killed it that day and ate it there has to be a difference like i mean you can taste that difference in in the quality so that's like an example of something probably we don't we just don't even understand but you don't need to understand it to realize it's better like you realize that fresh meat you know is is better and the same thing that exactly what you're saying if it's coming from a high functioning biodiverse vital system full of nutrients to have a better life, it's going to be better for you. That energy is, is going to be better for you. And yeah, you don't need data, even though we've talked to, you know, the Stefan von Fleets of the world about this. And it's really cool to see that data. But yeah, you don't even really need it. It's just <laughs> logical. I mean, yeah. yeah. Hey, friend, thanks for listening. If you really enjoy this podcast, it would be really appreciated if you left us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or subscribe to our content on YouTube. This helps us get to a larger reach and a larger audience to spread this wonderful free education. There's, there, I think there's different minded. There, there, people have different ways of understanding the world. Like some people are very data minded. They're very, you know, linear oriented. And, and for them, like they need, they need the data. They get stuck in the trap of like, I need, you know, a certain amount of grams of protein per day per my per body weight. And they're like calculating it and keeping track of it on a spreadsheet. And they love working with numbers. And that's not me at all. I'm more of a holistic minded person. I like to see things the, through the big picture if I can. So that, that, that's just the way my mind has always, has always 
operated. So I'd, it's tough for me to relate to the other perspective, but I, I, I can say that the sooner you consume food after it's been killed, especially when it's raised in a vital system, the more energy you're going you're gonna to get from that. And this is easy to understand. It's like a, pe- a peach or a tomato that you pluck from the garden or, or the tree, you eat that. It's going to be much more vital, fresh, flavorful, and nutritious versus something you get at the grocery store, which has been sitting for months a lot of times, sometimes even nine months, which is absolutely insane. Well, that's that's a good example. I I struggle with this and and – I want to harp on this for a while because, yeah, the produce story is for sure real. And then it's, um, you know, it's being picked uh, pre-ripeness. So it's actually not even the same really experience at all because it might be coming from Mexico or Ecuador. It's picked five days pre-ripe. Then it's shipped up by the time. And then, you know, it's genetically modified. It's sprayed with stuff. So it can actually, like you're saying, last like a really, really long time. which is not indicative of, of nature whatsoever. So for sure, that's like 100% true. I mean, you can't be like getting something. And uh, I tweeted today, I, I just picked up a bunch of tomatoes, potatoes, peppers from a, a lady in town who grows them. And yeah, like that's, that's it, right? Like that's in your town, in your environment, coming from someone who's, you know, small scale. And yeah, she picked them in the past day or two and they're fully ready to go and they look, you know, kind of messed up, you know, their heirloom, they got like, you know, some weird crevasses in there. They're not like perfectly <laughs> round They're different colors. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I want. When I buy corn here locally, there's worms like eating the corn. And I'm like, hell yeah. That's how I know it's not roundup ready, you know, doused in chemicals. Cause that worms going ham. What I'm not worried about. I just cut it out. Like it's, it's totally fine. But the meat thing, this is a challenge, right? Because there's no, we don't have butchers. We don't have like local sources to get fresh meat or else I would be 100% a proponent for that. And I've been thinking about this recently. It's like, I wish we could set something up to where there is a central location where, you know, you could go and, and buy bison and beef and, and local meats. It's fresh you kill something that day and then, you know, 20 people are coming to buy 20, 40, 50 people are coming to buy. And then the butcher goes through a, a half bison in a day. Uh, whereas to now we pretty, you pretty much have to buy like meat in bulk because it, it's a food security thing. It's, you know, a cost saving thing. And then it's a good way to get, you know, high quality meat. Um, yeah. For, for a decent price. So yeah. What, what, how do we solve this case or what do you do? Do you, you buying in bulk or are you, do you have a fresh butcher there? What's, no, the, and, what's and the situation? It, it is. So the, the fruits and the vegetables, that's like a more salient event example that everyone's probably aware of, but it's definitely true for me too. When I, when I went to the bison harvest at Rome ranch, they slaughtered the bison shot in the head and then they, they butchered it right there hanging up on a tractor and they served fresh organs it was the liver, it was the kidney, it was some testicle, it was some heart. And then the bonus dish for those who are adventurous, it was a slice of the liver with some of the gallbladder uh, squeezed mm-hmm. on there, which was supposedly a Native American tradition. But the, a lot of people think it was a prank on the white man because it, it tastes like jet fuel, it tastes like tequila. It's not, it's not good in any way. But the organs themselves without the gallbladder, that those are fresh like fruit. It's like the experience was more akin to eating a fresh apple than it was eating liver that had been for frozen and stored. So that is the optimal 
expression of our food system would be exactly as you're describing mm -hmm. how we get there. It, there's no clear path. It, I imagine there's probably so many regulations and it would definitely going to be more doable in rural communities. I think if we speculate about sort of the future of living lifeways here in America, we've got, we're going to have like decentralized rural communities that are interested in certain things that are grouping together based on these like-minded belief systems. And, and we could see community, you know, community goats, farms, ranches, and then the slaughtering, butchering process all being held within those communities, kind of away from regulation or, you know, apart from it. And building that future is, I think, the responsibility of this generation, because what we've got now, the industrial agriculture system is making us sick. It's, it's destroying our land. And it has a breaking point that we can all see. It's at a point now where we can see the breaking point, the food system is breaking down or health system is breaking down. So it's up to us to create these things from scratch. And there's no blueprint. But as long as we're interested in taking steps in this direction, it's certainly something we can figure out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I actually think there is a blueprint. It's like, what do we do, you know, like 80 years ago? And there were <laughs> there were butchers everywhere. I mean, it was just like, yeah, it was a smaller community. But now we have this issue where, you know, I live in Wyoming. There's two and a half times more beef cattle in Wyoming than people. Um, you live in LA area and there's not enough in the local community. So it's like, yeah, we have this disproportional food system, but even like you're saying, if you do have these, you know, decentralized hubs or communities, um, like we could easily have, you know, a butcher shop here in town or here in a town 30 minutes away. And maybe there's just, I mean, there's so many producers here in Wyoming, it's like, yeah, maybe just a small percentage, like the butcher buys like a half cow or a half bison, like once every two, three days, and then people get their meat there. Like that would, that would be fantastic. I would support that. And there is a lot less legislation regulations when you're only selling within your local community. It's when you go across state lines that the USDA gets involved and it's a whole hoopla, but <laughs> That's like my dream. And there is one in Jackson Hole that I've stopped at the past two times I've been there. And yeah, it's like really nice. And they make sausages like, you know, from, from local meats and they have a whole variety of lamb, beef, bison and stuff like that. And it's like, wow, this is like, is this too much to ask for? This is like so incredible to just have this. And then, you know, everyone, people who are growing produce as well, it, it could be a nice hub, but yeah, I, I would love to get back to that because that used to just be like a big thing. And then it just transformed into, yeah, the grocery store experience. And yeah, it's it's just not the same. I, I think you're completely right. I, I don't know if I've ever had like on the spot meat um, when I when I butchered my elk on the spot last year. I don't know if I really tried any piece. It was bit of a hectic experience, but yeah, I, I, it is like picking something off the tree. So has that ruined, ruined your experience with meat now? Did that really change your perspective? Like in such a way that now you're, you're kind of a purist or how, how has that changed your, your life experience with, with eating meat? Well, I'm, I'm certainly still stuck in, in a lot of ways with just doing what, what I got to do to, to get by and stay, stay nourished as, as best I can. I can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. So a lot of it for me has just been moving towards sourcing from the highest quality local options that I can as, as often as I can, but I'm, I'm never someone who's 
extremely strict really about anything. I just have never been like that. So I can't force that on myself. Otherwise I go kind of crazy, but that's that general sort of ethos of, of rejecting the industrialized centralized slop and moving towards more of a local regenerative food supply is absolutely an ethos that has been incredibly nourishing to me and, and energizing in a way that I never expected and, and would love to see more people adopt and adapt because that's just how, how amazing it is. And, and it, it comes down to just sort of realigning some priorities and perceptions about what's important, just changing a few beliefs about how do I want to spend my time, my money. And, and that one simple shift has just been so powerful. It's difficult to put in the words. Yeah, really. It's just like a realignment completely of like what's what's important to you. And I guess going back to like, how did you like take that step to visiting these places? Because most people, most people, they're like, oh, yeah, that's nice. You know, I saw this documentary, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm still just going to go to Whole Foods. Um, like most people don't take that next step really to like going and physically visiting farms, like going out of their way. It is, you know not convenient to just go out of your way to visit someone. I mean, people go to the farmer's market, 95% of people don't really ask any questions. They're just like, Oh yeah, that's nice fruit. Thank you. I'll take a ribeye. Thank you. Like they don't really get connected. So like, why did you? It's cool, man. I'm just curious about it. And a lot of times in life experiences are really what we remember. That's what, that's what makes our life worth living. It's not the day to day doldrums of, of, you know, all the work that we have to do and, and all the, all the things that we consume is these like di- direct experiences, getting, getting integrating in, in a very direct way is, is, is that's just well known as, as the, what, what makes life meaningful. So seeking out these experience of things that you're genuinely curious about. For me, it was, I was curious about these, these, these farms, these ranches, like where does the food actually come from? I got to go visit one of these things. And I think if everyone, everyone listening does look at some of their local farms and ranches, I bet a good amount of them do offer tours or would be open to you coming to maybe even volunteer or help out depending on where you're located. Pretty much all farms are, are open to something like that. And I know we have a mutual friend, Brian Griggs, who did woofing for a while, which is like worldwide opportunities for farm helpers or something like that. And that's another opportunity available for folks that's, that's available all over the world. So there's a lot of opportunities out there for those curious. And I would encourage anyone to just go for it because it's a really meaningful experience to get connected on that level. Yeah, it's like it's like if you had to go back and you had like a gap year or a summer, you know, in college, like imagine doing something like that. Like imagine the experience you could gain right off the bat. It's really just eye opening. I feel like from, you know, an effort perspective, like what does it take to provide the food that, you know, we all take for granted? We go roll up into the grocery store and yeah, it's just expected to be there. But you don't realize, you know, how hard people work to get it there. And yeah, is that, is that something you realized as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's definitely amazing. Grocery stores are, are absolutely amazing when you walk into them and you see all the colors and all the abundance to think that all year round, we've got every kind of food that's always in stock all around America. That's, that's absolutely mind blowing feat that we just take absolutely for granted. And yeah, we've got to be grateful for that every day because we'll, we'll likely live to see a time where that's not the case. If, if I were if I were to guess, where we will begin to see more salient food shortages within you know, the next few decades, it, it's just insane to think that we're going to have 
every food available all year long for the, for the next few decades. It just doesn't make any sense. And then you can take a, another step deeper and be like, well, what percentage of this is actually food? You know, because when I go in the grocery store, it's a very small percentage of the things that I'm actually interested in buying. And, and a lot of it, you could make argument just isn't food at all. It's this other thing that, that some people have struggled to put names on. It's like, oh, this is like an edible food-like substance that's, you know, a p- potential name. And I think Michael Pollan uses that terminology. And it, it's, it's really crazy to wake up to the fact that these grocery stores aren't really offering true food anymore. It's flown in from around the world. A lot of it's been processed into oblivion to the point where you could say it's actually not food. It's some sort of edible drug. And getting connected to a farm is a way to understand what food really is and how it really comes about and increases the amount of meaning and connection that you feel in life every day. Yeah, it's powerful. And and you said you grew up eating kind of like standard American diet as well, or? Yeah. Yeah. I, I grew up eating standard American and it was, was more of a sort of a low fat focus for, for my family. And I'm very grateful for the food that I did have. My mom was interested in health. And then, but where, where is that health information coming from? You know, it was coming from the TV and from magazines. Our parents didn't have the internet, so I don't, I don't fault them for anything. So we did have fruits mm-hmm. and vegetables, but a lot of like cereal, uh, Eggo waffles, Pop-Tarts, and, you know, things like that. So I had braces growing up. I had a lot of depression, anxiety. I had acne for like a decade from my teen years into my early 20s. And, and it was all a result of the industrial food system. And there's still a lot of people suffering under this illusion that's been created by big food and big pharma. And it's a big reason why I like to try and create some uh, ideas out there on, on social media to try and help anyone that I can to realize that the bullshit that, that's going on. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's astounding. I mean, everyone who listens to this podcast is, is pretty hyper aware, especially on the food side of things at this point. Um, it's almost inconceivable that 90, I don't know, five plus percent of people are still just eating this nonsense, like on a daily basis, I think a lot of it's purely out of laziness. Um, most people just don't know how to cook. When did, when did you learn how to cook really like properly or start to take that upon yourself? That would have been when I left college and and was on my own, you know, that's when it's like, okay, time to be an adult and, uh, start start cooking. I don't know why it didn't, didn't land earlier, but I think maybe some of that the foundation of that, I believe, is, is the seed oil thing. Because once you start cooking with natural fats, it becomes so much more enjoyable because the food tastes so much better than if you're using just garbage oils. And it's never really that satisfying. But once you start cooking with like butter, ghee, tallow, lard, even if, if you want, and man, it just makes the food taste so much better. Yeah, it's I mean, it's true. And, and that's this whole notion as well that I, I hate it. Because again, we're talking about like the, the levels here and the average like fitness bro is yeah, they, they make it seem they almost do everybody such a disservice because then they think that everybody needs to be like suffering to be healthy. When the people who are suffering to be healthy, they're they're not actually healthy. And then the people who are just like, you know, eating Pop Tarts, they're obviously I mean, they're suffering in, in different ways and are not healthy. But yeah, like you can cook like like food was meant to be delicious, like that is good for you. That is not by mistake. Um, and yeah, if you use animal fats, you eat steak, you eat, you know, high quality produce, like it should taste really good. Um, this is not a fault in the system. This is not like an illusion that something like that. But for, for me, that was a big thing too. And 
yeah, when I was in, yeah, growing up, you, you think of what, you know, tastes really good and you get to college for me, that's when I started cooking. It's like, yeah, you know, and I never ate out a ton, but I think that's the issue is, is people just, their taste buds are all, they've been hijacked by big food and yeah, all these fake seasonings and hyper palatable sensing, uh, or things that are just lighting up their, their brain and they don't actually know what real cooking tastes like. And that's like a generations removed. So yeah, I think that's, that's a big one. So what, what are, what are your go-to, I guess, like, how do you convince someone like, say, I feel like you're a guy who kind of on, on the beach, maybe people ask, ask you, what, what do you do? Cause if, if you ever seen case like working out and on muscle beach, you'd probably go up to him and be like, what the hell is this guy doing? He looks great. It's just effortless. Like, what do you say to people? Like, how do you convince them to, to live a, a healthier life? Like, blank it's slate. Funny. It's a great question because I do get this. People come up to me like, I know. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> it has to happen. <laughs> like, yo, how do, you, how do you stay so fit? And it's, so, it's funny cause too because I'll be like, yeah, I don't. I haven't been to the gym for seven years. And then their, their eyes kind of widen and their jaw drops. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Here's, here's my three tips because there, there's, a, there's a magic in threes. People can kind of only really handle three things at once. This is like a, a central principle and mm-hmm. in, in persuasion and in, in sales, t- in sales, it's like three things. So three things I say is eat, eat a lot of beef, you know, red meat is good Two, sunshine, three earthing. And then usually they, they just think I'm insane and walk away. But <laughs> those, That's are, all those you are my need. big three, man. That's so great. I mean, it's really that simple. Like we like to complicate things because we're like, especially me, because I love the science behind all of this. Like, it's very fascinating. But at the end of the day, you didn't need to convince, you know, Native Americans or, or people who live, you know, hunter gatherers in, in any region of the world that, you know, quantum physics is needed to tell them why they need to be healthy. Like, <laughs> they're just living their life. And, you know, other animals just like in the wild. You know, they're just doing what they're biologically designed to do. And, and what you just said, you know, eat nutrient-dense food, uh, meat, red meat, beef, get outside in the sun and be, be connected. I mean, we just talk about connecting to your food. Yeah, get connected to the, to the earth. And yeah, most people, most people walk away after that one. I haven't had much success in just like actually having a persuasive conversation with someone after those big three, but I'm I'm hoping that at least open their mind to the the first two. I think I've seen earthing become a lot more popular over the past few years. I went for a barefoot hike recently and there were a few people like, oh, getting your grounding in. That's awesome. It's like, whoa, people are talking about this just like in public when I see someone barefoot. Most of the people were like, oh, you're so brave. You're you're barefoot. It's like, this is this is not bravery, my friend, but it's, well, it, it can be. It depends on the trail. It can be very yeah. brave. It's true. It's true. But yeah, it's uh, and then sunshine, man. That's that's another one that a lot of people are so backwards and upside down about, and that I'm sure you've covered that ad nauseum through through in this in this podcast and, and and online. And it's I think most people listening are probably like, yeah, sunshine's awesome. I love it. But for those that aren't, it's obviously a, a universal medicine and really powerful, a nutrient in itself that's so much more than vitamin D and, and just has a, a beneficial effect on every single cell and every single mitochondria within that cell and just powers us in such a deep and, and an amazing way. And and I wish that I could be outside more. I think the bane of the modern era is the fact that we're all 
a lot of us are stuck doing uh, sort of computer work a lot where we're forced to gaze into the, the blue light box and be <laughs> inundated with, with EMF. But just that, so that's a big reason why I, I always try and train outside is because if I do have free time, I don't want to be inside uh, training in a gym. I'm going to be outside barefoot getting sunshine. So having as few pieces of clothing on as possible, though I haven't, I haven't transitioned to like the thong yet or like the, you know, a speedo, I'm still wearing shorts. So I got, you know, those upper thighs, I, I should probably be more bold and start being like, uh, who's, who's that guy, the cert- certified health nut. I used to see him all the time out there with a American flag speedo. I haven't, I haven't gone to that level yet, but you know, always, always outside on the earth in the sun when I can be, that's, that's, that's a big principle of health. So, yeah, you kind of touch upon a few things I want to get into. It's like, how did you, yeah, decide you're done with the gym? Like seven years, was it because of, you know, getting outside more or was that kind of came later because I wasn't sure if which one came first? It was definitely just an intuitive desire to be outside. I'd be in the gym and I'd be looking out the window and it would just be such a beautiful day. I, I grew up in New England, and I, when I moved to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. I was every day is astounding. I was like, God, it's a perfect day again, like every every <laughs> single day, all year round. And I just wanted to be out there because why would I be? Why would I want to be stuck inside? And I stumbled upon this place called Original Muscle Beach. It was built during the Great Depression, and it's essentially an adult playground. You've got these pull-up mm-hmm. bars, you've got ropes to climb on, rings to swing on. We hung out there for a while. It's such an amazing place to go and, and train. And there are world-class movers, Cirque du Soleil performers, of people from all over the world would go there and practice movement. And I would just go and, and watch and see what people are doing and, and play myself, almost like a kid on the playground during recess, just trying things out. And then over time, I would just go back and go back and go back and learn from people, try different things, train intensely, or maybe a more mellow movement practice. And over time, it just sort of coalesced into my current fitness protocol or movement practice. And it's just been a really fun and, and energizing way and something I try and share through, through social media when I, when I can. It's such a fantastic perspective because I, I had the same realization and, and you definitely you know brought that forward a lot too because I remember one day I was in Salt Lake City and I was in the gym and I was looking, it was the mountains are in the background of the windows and I was watching people on the stair climber right in front of this window when there's mountains right fucking in front of them. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like what, you know, I'm here at the gym doing things that I can't do at home or outside or in, you know, if I want to walk or hike, I'm going to go up a mountain. That's literally 20 minutes away. Whereas these people are driving 20 minutes to do the same thing inside. And it's just like, you're losing all the benefits of being outside, like you're just waste, like you could be compounding so many different benefits. And yeah, then I, I kind of, you know, as well through your inspiration, just realized I was like, yeah, if I'm going to be trying to spend as much time outside as possible, then yeah, I need to be working out outside. Like I was already kind of half doing it, just like skiing, hiking, you know, occasionally going for runs. But when we start strength training outside, and then I'm envious. Obviously, Muscle Beach is such a fantastic place to do that. It's like, why would you not take advantage of that? Because, yeah, we're always stuck inside. So outdoor gyms need to make a comeback. I don't know how they'd work in Wyoming because it only worked for about six months, seven months, maybe. Um, it'd be pretty rough in the winter, but 
you know, maybe you just figure it out somehow. And then it's, it's seasonal change anyway. But yeah, for me, I think there needs to be way more people that are working out outside. I mean, I just, I don't get it. And that's the OG muscle beach gold gym. Like they were pumping, they were lifting outside, right? Like, or at least like close to it a lot of the time. It's true. And and this is something I'm, I'm really trying to shift gears and focus more on as, as time goes on, I've got projects, ideas in mind to bring this idea more to people because it's been such a massive mover in my quality of life is this simple understanding and practice. And just to give people some tangible ideas of, of what to work with, if you're looking to start training outside, sprinting is, is a great one. Just barefoot sprinting, do that one one day, let that be your leg day. You know, if, if you're of, of that, you know, uh, kind of principle protocol for fitness, do some barefoot sprinting up a mountain. Like I've seen you do hill sprints barefoot. I, I, beaches are great. Forests are great. And then from there, think about something like upper body. So hanging on a tree branch is a great one that I love to do when I go for a walking. You can do pull-ups on that, chin-ups on that when you do push-ups. So say it's you want to work your chest or your push muscles. Push-ups are great, but you can do a lot of them. I look at that as kind of a warm-up for one-arm push-ups or something more explosive and, and plyometric. And a lot of training with your body and doing bodyweight training does come down to expl- explosive uh, bodyweight-type movements. So instead of squatting heavyweight, you're jumping. You're like exploding up and putting a lot of force and energy uh, through your legs. That's the same thing with, with sprinting. And and so those are some sort of tangible principles for people to play with if they want to try this kind of stuff out. Yeah, I think – I mean, what do you think about why the gym and the current average like exercise regimen is the way it is? Because to me, it's like everybody thinks they need to go to the gym and bench squat, maybe deadlift. But like who (laughs) really needs to do that, to be honest? Yeah, it it definitely does help put on muscle, although it's also a much higher risk for injury. So I, I think anyone who has spent time in the gym has injured themselves trying to lift heavy, especially when they're younger. I know I have, I'm sure you have too, probably. And it's, like there, there's, it's a double-edged sword. And, and I think there's also just, there's a lack of awareness around alternatives. And similar to the food conversation that we were having earlier, people are being driven to buy these industrial food-like products because they have all these misperceptions that have been implanted in their minds by big businesses. So there's a fitness industrial complex, just like there's, there's a big food and, and it's putting ideas into people's minds that they have to go sign up for a gym membership in order to be healthy, even though a, a very small percentage of the population has a gym membership. I think it's like 25%. And then most of those people don't even use the thing. So there's, there's a very tiny part of our population using the gym, but then you've also got social media, which really promotes people to be doing crazy stuff in the gym. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's all culture. It really all boils down to culture, which is just the belief system that is being cultivated by massive businesses who are paying for marketing, which then manipulates minds. Ultimately, that's what we can generalize as to the situation. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally true. And, there's just this notion that you need to like lift really heavy in order to be strong in order to be like aesthetic, um, in your physique. And yeah, I mean, it's obviously untrue. And I mean, calisthenics has, has made like a pretty big comeback and there's a lot of cool like calisthenics pages online as well. And yeah, yeah it just shows to me, those are guys are the most impressive. Or if you just like go look at a gymnast physique and yeah, these guys are not, they're not using any weights and they're, they're jacked they're functional and yeah, I mean, you could use the explosiveness 
just being a former athlete in college and now it's like I try and go run or sprint or jump and I'm like, oh my God, it's like embarrassing. So <laughs> I and and what is that, you know? People were like, Well, you do you need to do that? Well, I don't know. What what are you trying to achieve? I think I saw some crazy statistics saying once you get over like 30, 35, like 95% of people actually never sprint for the rest of their life. <laughs> like they never actually just get in a full out sprint. So it's like, do you really need to do that? What? Yeah. I mean, who do you want to be? Do you want to be like the best physical version of yourself? Or do you want to, you know, be in this sedentary modern world? So it's, uh, it's really strange, just how it all has played out. But I think it's great when you have people like yourself showing that you don't need weights. You can work out outside, have fun, and still be jacked and functional, functionally jacked. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and I also want to make sure I I mention that I'm not – if someone goes to the gym and loves it, it's a meaningful part of your life. Like I'm not shitting on that at all. I just – a lot of people don't like going to the gym and they feel like they have to for fitness. And I just want to say, Hey, you don't like, that's untrue. You, you can definitely train and, and have a healthy and fit body through training in nature. And on that functional piece, you actually may need to sprint at some point. And if you do, you definitely want to be able yeah. to, like I, I, I live in a city and there are crazy people around and I might need to run. I might need to fight. And lifting weights in the gym isn't going to help me nearly as much as some of the other things that are d- train me more directly for. It. And you, you hunt like that. There yeah. Are things yeah you I was thinking do. about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You might need to run, you know, it's like, man, these, the functional training, it's also, so that, that that's another layer to it that brings intention into the process where if you're sitting there repping on the bench press, it's like kind of robotic and there's very little intention there. You're never going to be like, Oh, I might need to do this in real life. Probably not. But in, in, if you're training in more of a functional way, more of a way that's rooted in our human nature, you may need to do some of the things. And you can bring that belief, you can bring that true perception into the training session. And it brings a certain degree of aliveness and, and enjoyment to the process, especially if you're of that kind of, uh, if, you're, if you're that kind of person, then, then it's going to help, help, uh, help the process. I just think it's so accessible too. It's like, you know, you don't have to do a ton. If anything, I've I've done probably less this summer in terms of like physical strength training. I've done a ton of like hiking and stuff, but I feel like I've even slacked off. But, you know, I would just do, you know, 100 pull-ups, like 200 push-ups, some, some random movements, squats, and, you know, every two, three days – and I haven't lost mu- – and outside, it's like I haven't lost muscle. I actually haven't really lost strength either. And it's like if you're just looking to do kind of like low effective dose training, you can just do that. And it's yeah. convenient. You know, I can – I have it right here in my garage as well. Or I could go to the park or whatever. And, yeah, you can just mix it in. Like you can do 10 pull-ups and then – do something else and then two minutes later do 10 pull-ups again or the same thing so to me it's it's almost like more convenient for people but if you're really trying to train and, and break through barriers it's like yeah what, what what functional goals are you trying to become a better athlete are you trying to climb mountains are you trying to you know do gymnastic moves are you have a sport yeah, it makes sense to tailor it to what do you want to accomplish or general life things. Like you're saying, sprinting. Yeah, it's, I mean, hey, you're not wrong. 
if I was, you know, living in a city, I'd want to be able to sprint away from someone. And, and if I'm hunting, I, I want to be able to run away if I or run towards something um, yeah. in general. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it is very much always accessible. Like think about traveling, for example, people are like, oh, the hotel gym sucks. It's like, dude, your your body is a gym. You can bring it anywhere and get a solid training session out regardless of your location. And if we think about, we mentioned sunshine and earthing. Uh, those are very powerful forces of nature that elevate our vitality. Mm-hmm. Another one is, is that people don't often think about is the air. And mm-hmm. the air inside is a lot lower quality than most people understand, especially in commercial areas where people are wearing perfumes or they're spraying all kinds of antibacterial you know, things. There's air fresheners, there's, there's off-gassing from all the artificial rubber and synthetic plastics that are seem to be everywhere. And when you're outside, the trees are giving all kinds of healing cofactor, beneficial uh, air, volatile, volatile aromatic compounds like phytoncides, for example, which is well known to boost mood and increase energy and decrease cortisol levels. And that's just one small example that the trees give us that you're not going to get. You're actually going to get the opposite of. So you're moving from a degenerative system being inside under blue light being disconnected from sunlight disconnected from earthing and being pumped full of these toxic chemicals and compounds versus being outside you've got the sunshine you've got the earthing you've got the beneficial groovy gas from all the trees around you and now you're you're thinking about something that's more than just fitness and body it's a full body mind vitality practice that is elevating your health at a cellular level Are you interested in 100% grass-fed, grass-finished bison meat? I'm excited to be a partner with Falls Family Ranches. Based in Wyoming, Falls Family Ranches is raising high-quality bison meat the way nature intended. As a native large ruminant of North America, bison is one of the most nutrient-dense foods you can consume. If you're interested in trying out their bison boxes, use code TRISTAN, T-R-I-S-T-A-N, 10 for 10% off your first order. I feel like it's just easier because you're connected to just stay healthy or make gains. Um, I know we had Steven Lubka on the podcast who's um, works at Swan and is a big, you know, enjoyer of sunshine. And yeah, he, he didn't really get into lifting until like this past year. And he said, you know, and he gets like crazy amounts of sun. And he said he put on like 25 pounds of muscle, just like, I like working out in his backyard. So we don't even understand the benefits really. And there's no studies. There's no studies on people working out grounded barefoot who are not in blue. There's just no studies in general for people who are grounded and not in blue light and also maybe in connecting nature. So um, all you, all the gym bros that aren't listening to this will be <laughs> – bewildered because there's no research to prove it but yeah it just makes sense obviously i mean you're just compounding all these beneficial factors and and then you think back to these stories that's like native americans used to be able to run barefoot like at the speed of a bison or, or you know close to it and and i was just thinking about the other day like running on a track and it's like it doesn't even make sense because we would never have run on like such a like really like flat surface. And then you wonder why like we have all these issues with our joints and feet. And we just completely changed the entire realm of movement and how we move in it. And 
yeah, like injuries are, are higher than ever. Cause yeah, I feel, think we're just doing all these unnatural things in unnatural environments and it sounds crazy, but it's really not in my opinion. Yeah. It'd be almost crazy not to once, once you once you really dive in and understand the nature of reality and align yourself with your true objectives and, and goals. But I think there, there is something to be said for doing what works best for you. And not everyone likes to be outside. Not everyone wants to, you know, some people want to optimize their athleticism through certain linear ranges. Like they just want to be focused on building strength, building muscle. And, and in that case, the gyms might be a better choice, but if you could do maybe an off day, an active recovery day, and I have some friends who they still love the gym. They need to go to the gym to lift weights, but on the active recovery day, they're doing more yoga mobility barefoot outside. And it's more of a, a uh, work in as you would call it as opposed to a workout so there, there there's it's not black and white there's tons of room in between for you know everyone to be able to access this kind of stuff so yeah there's there's a lot of options out there yeah yeah and gyms have their place of course i mean i'll probably go back into the gym this this winter um just because of the winter but um yeah it's it's just so fascinating and you mentioned all these things before you know like artificial fragrances and and smells and and just light in general have you noticed that your tolerance for all these things has gone way way down since you've <laughs> kind of cut them out of your life like you notice them a lot more you become more sensitive to them actually when you omit them my uh my tolerance at like a psychological level has I, I go from like zero to one hundred. If I see somebody spraying sunscreen, I just get be infuriated immediately. Oh yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> I'm like everyone's everyone's inhaling this downwind, and it, you know it's like it's probably worse than secondhand cigarette smoke. Meanwhile, people are completely oblivious to the, to this stuff, and you know it's it's definitely it's frustrating. It's frustrating because. All, all this stuff is really rooted in, I guess, ignorance in, in a way where, and, and I don't mean that in a, in a harsh way. We're like, oh, you're like being an ignorant bastard, you know, spraying this kind of stuff on people. But it, it's it's something where I, I was ignorant from all of it at some point. And then I learned about it and then I integrated it. I adapted to this information. This is evolution in action. We can all kind of go through this. And that's why we, that's why we create things on social media to try and awaken people, which is sort of this lofty way of just saying share, share good ideas. So that we can all sort of evolve and integrate and up level our game as a species because we're suffering in such a deep and destructive way. I've been in that hell pit. I've, I've suffered greatly and I've made my way out of it. And it's through these ideas that we often call holistic health or esoteric health. And it's a really powerful rooted in the human DNA. And, and we can just unearth these things and start using them in a way that is going to uplift ourselves and others. And, and it's really accessible. A lot of these things are free and easy and it's not much of a lift. So just kind of taking the step towards towards making the world a better place. It, it does involve all these tiny little things that, that we mentioned. And, and one of them is definitely removing a lot of the toxic and artificial stuff that goes on. But man, yeah, it, it's definitely infuriating once, once you become aware of it to see it play out and just trying to think of ways to persuade and compel more people to become more aligned with health and vitality is is the name of the game, I think. Yeah, it's interesting because, and I, I wasn't even thinking about it like that, but that was a great summary is, is, you know, people always talk about like resiliency and, and health, but it, it's sort of true. And it's also sort of not true. And I've been reading more about this. Um, 
is that when you become like very fine tuned to your environment, when that becomes disrupted, you're actually almost way more sensitive to these disruptions. And it's something I think about because it's, you know, sometimes out of even your own control, but it's like, if I go into like a blue lit, like fluorescence overhead, like for more than like 10 minutes, um, I just don't feel well at this point. Or if I know it's like a really high like EMF area or I get an Uber and they have like these fake fragrances, <laughs> I just want, I actually immediately just get a headache and all these symptoms come. And I'm not even like trying to be neurotic about it. It's just straight up. And I remember one of the early telltale signs of this, I switched like, laundry detergent like four or five years ago from like tied to like some you know cleaner uh you know sensitive skin uh you know nothing no fragrances or nothing like that and then i remember going back to my dad's house for like holidays and he washed my towels or something or underwear in in tide and then i got this huge rash and i was like wow like just by cut i you know i use tide my whole life and then you cut something out and then you add back in the toxin and your body's like no 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 like <laughs> this is bad but it's if you have this these toxins like all the time your body's just so great it kind of just being like all right i guess this is like what's going on and and then all your signaling it's it's just got to be so disrupted so it's it's weird because everyone always talks about you know resilience and health and i think it's true but at the same time, when you become really healthy and emit these toxins, you actually become kind of more sensitive to them. So I don't know. It's this weird kind of back and forth that, that I think about. And it's almost like unavoidable. So I don't know if you've noticed that. Or I mean, obviously, if you're berating people for wearing, you know, spraying sunscreen half a mile down the beach. But no, just kidding. But. <laughs> I don't berate them. I just tackle them, you know, <laughs> blindside them out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, dude, it is it is fascinating that there's this interplay between resiliency and sensitivity because, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I mean, the way your sense of smell works is is that way it detects changes. So if, if you walk into a room, and this is why when you leave, your place, you go traveling, you come back, you're like, oh, this is what my place smells like. And But then you immediately, it smells like nothing. So your, your nose isn't detecting smells, it's detecting changes in smell. So I think a lot of that, it comes down to a, a similarity between state of health where we're not so much detecting like all the toxins in the environment, but we're detecting changes and, and, our, and our state of health sort of modulates in, in, a, in a reaction to some of these toxins incoming. So if you're always at this high state where you've got things on point and then you come into play with a toxin, you really notice that change as opposed to the people who are always inundated with toxins. They're kind yeah. of, they're just operating on this sort of low band uh, wavelength where they're, they're not noticing the changes as much. So to me, that's what I think of where, yeah, you become a fine tuned machine and, and, and small things can become more salient in your environment, but you also bounce back pretty quickly from it, from, from what I've observed as well, where it's like more of a, a minor blip as soon as you're kind of able to mm -hmm. reintegrate into the forces of nature that supply the vitality just get right back to square one. And so how do you balance that too as well? Like the, the neuroticism of knowledge and of health and kind of just living in, in the modern world. Belief. It's, it's all, it's all a positive placebo effect. Like I, I believe that I'm invincible. I believe that these things bounce off me and I'm transmuting them into positivity, energy, light, vitality. And I 
roll with the punches. You know, I had trained martial arts quite a bit in my early 20s. And one thing you learn training that is that sometimes you're going to get the shit kicked out of you, but that doesn't mean that you're done. You know, you just roll, roll over and just bring it right back to it. So we're all here on this path of life, on this hero's journey, and it's not going to be smooth. You're going to take some shots to the dome. You're going to get hit in the jaw, but it just bounce right back and, and keep doing the best you can because that's that's all we can really do at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that's key. And it's it's tough sometimes because you just can learn all this stuff, but you have to realize like what are the, you know, the biggest priorities and then again with everything, especially right now, just worry about, you know, what is in your sphere of influence. You know, what can you control in your life? And and sometimes you can't, right? Um like for example, like I would have never drank out of a plastic water bottle <laughs> last year probably. But the water in my town is so shit that the best water, this is mountain spring water from like 100 miles away, is in plastic. So I, I make the compromise that sometimes I have to drink water uh, out of plastic because it's better than, you know, drinking water from the Brita, which is also plastic and coming from the <laughs> tap, which is, you know, chlorinated and, and what have you. But it's like, yeah, you know, probably could have got upset over that in the past. But, you know, it, it's you take these small battles and, yeah, you can't just think too much about them. And you try and build resilience, I think, in the mind. And like you're saying, and having a background of training in, in some regard, you're going to realize that it's never going to be perfect. And anyone who's striving for perfection is always going to be let down. They're always going to lose. Never going to be perfect. Like You could live in the middle of nowhere doesn't matter there'll be some random you know emf or you know toxin downstream that's that's causing you issues that they have no idea about but i guess the next question because you do live in a city a very very big city how has that been you know balancing all this and and how have you made the most out of you know living in a city and, and obviously you talked about a few things but you d- you do some other things as well that most people probably wouldn't do um, living in a, a large metropolitan area. The, the beauty of Los Angeles, or at least where I live within Los Angeles, so there's access to the coastline. So ocean immersion is absolutely a priority for me. And getting in there is such a powerful way to access, I think, 80 plus minerals, a massive amount of negative ions to help balance out all the EMF from living in an urban environment. And then, yeah, the, the, the training that I do is pro- probably more important for those in an urban environment than those in a rural in- environment. Like if from the people listening, if, if you live in an urban environment, it's it's going to be more important to balance the EMF load with things like earthing and sunshine and wild water access. If you don't have ocean, any wild water works tremendously well to help, help us. There's this book called Blue Minds by Dr. Wallace J. Nichols. That was pretty life-changing for me in, in the realm of water immersion and uh, ocean ocean immersion for me is absolutely essential for keeping my keeping my body mind keeping my vitality on point especially in a urban urban environment yeah i think it's important i i think you need to i mean i lived in a city on and off for you know still up until earlier this year and yeah i think you need to just be very deliberate and probably most listeners most people do live in you know, population centers, Austin. I mean, how many, how many listeners, how many of our friends live in Austin? And it's like, yeah, it's this trade-off that you have with, you know, the modern convenience. Um, um, obviously a lot of probably like-minded people in your area, 
Um, but then you do have the detriments of, you know, noise, air, uh, electrical pollution, water pollution, what have you, that you have to deal with. But you, if you're deliberate about it, like you are getting to the beach and, and understanding that, then yeah, you can make it work, I think, pretty well. Um, but it's, t- it's tough for a lot of people because I think they can easily just get drawn into forgetting about that. But if you are trying to tr- take control, <clears throat> excuse me, take control of your health, then yeah, it's just important to, to be deliberate. It's if you live in a, in a city, you can't get away with as much, I would say. But yeah, is that, uh, is that something you're going to continue onwards? I guess we're talking about that pre-show a little bit, or is, is Case taking his talents elsewhere soon? <laughs> we'll see. I certainly feel the pull to be in, in more of a, a rural, suburban, nature-filled environment. And Los Angeles is certainly being getting played out, especially over the past few years. It got a little sketchy here and isn't a place that I would want to be in if that was – some sort of a maybe a beta test for a bigger rollout in the potential future, which could happen. Um, so that that plus just you, know, you get you get tired of, of all the people, all the chaos. It, it's draining. It's draining living in a city is, and it certainly wouldn't want to raise a family here. So I would I would see. I'm currently seeking new opportunities. I think Bend Oregon might be the place. There's a lot of big things happening there. From uh, there's a, a lot of people moving there that are, that are kind of moving into the more of the local food scene and, and getting into creating community around local food and, and, and health and vitality and decentralized living. So I think that that might be a, a place, but I'm, I'm open to other places. I, I don't think Austin is a place. I think that's just becoming a second Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of the best places to live are, are overcrowded. But no, we'll see. We'll see. The future future is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's important to think about that too, and and be honest with yourself um, first and foremost, because a lot of people can get caught up in that. But even the difference of like moving from a you know a top five city to you know hundredth population ranked city would be pretty dramatic, I'd imagine. Or you know, just like a fifty thousand person town or a hundred thousand person. Well, we call those cities in Wyoming, but um, yeah, it's it's like once you live there, then you you kind of don't even appreciate that until you do. So I would say there is no going back, probably. But some people do crave that like energy. I think they're actually just like very stressed, and the, for some reason that just like is a, a good way for that. You know, the the energy of New York City. Um, pretty sure that's cocaine, but <laughs> it's, it's funny when you hear people say that, cause to me, it's, it's, it's just way too much. It's, it's very overwhelming. I think cities are very unnatural, but they do come with a lot of benefits, mostly in the fact that there's a lot of cool people that live in them. And that's, uh, you know, there's cool things to do. You could easily play like, you know, intramural sports or, you know, get 10 people around for barbecue or something like that. I don't really have that luxury here, but it's uh yeah it's it's a challenge and yeah i th- i think being being honest with yourself and it is is a real shame because yeah like an area like austin is is awesome but yeah in the past few years same with salt lake city is awesome convenience outdoors community and then yeah it's just there's a limit and i think we're reaching that but yeah covid was was a main 
turn off for you just how that was handled in in LA how did how did you kind of survive that and yeah because you weren't even were you even allowed to work out at Muscle Beach or did they like <laughs> arrest you for that <laughs> they put fences up they put fences up I, re- I remember trying to go to the beach they were like get out of here there's a you can't be at the beach. <laughs> it's like, yeah, everyone went completely insane here. Uh, luckily, I was I was able to uh, make it through and uh, insane, you know, with my sanity. And it was actually there, there were some great aspects of that experience, but there were you could it, w- it was on the verge of becoming really bad, and you could kind of feel it. You could sense it. And I think here, more than most places, I really kind of towed that line of totalitarianism and uh, medical industrial, you know, some sort of dystopian bio uh, tyranny. And and that was obviously not something I'm cool with at all. And it was astounding to see how many people here were cool with that. And it's also astounding to see how many people here still wear masks everywhere, driving around their cars. It, there's something actually uh, kind of deeply insane about the people in this area. And I, I don't know what it is. It might have might be something to do with EMFs. I've heard Jack Cruz talk about California having like mm-hmm. significantly more than other places because of Hollywood and like the uh, various radio centers or whatever. So uh, it's probably something to do with that. But yeah, it's a shame because it's such a beautiful place and it used to be a, a place that really sub- celebrated freedom and, and health. And they've just been, people have been sort of mind controlled here deeper and, and, a, and more destructively than in other places, which is a bummer. Yeah, it's it's strange because it was almost like in the past the you know the people that were into the health space they were yeah they congregated there and yeah that was like the you know the hippie health movement and that was like guys like certified health nut came from and then they just all became you know insanely corrupted I I think for for whatever reason but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a culminate. It's never one thing, right? I mean, it's it's everything. You have dysfunctional food. You have extremely high, you know, EMFs in that area and noise <laughs> pollution, air pollution. I mean, it's everything, right? And yeah, for for some reason, I think people just have too much pride in the fact that they wanted to be like right about COVID, and that's why people still wear masks and. I, I don't know. I think it's just it's mental illness, really. It's it's dysfunctional mitochondria. It's everything across the board. It's it's really sad, um, but yeah, I would say that that's a fair assessment. So hopefully, hopefully you can find a better place, um, and hopefully we don't all have to deal with that um, again. But it happened to me. I was in Dallas when it first happened, and I was working out at a playground because I thought I fleeced the system. And I came back the next day and there was like caution tape everywhere on the playground. I was like, are you, are you serious? Like I can't even just do some pull-ups on a damn playground with nobody around besides my friends. And yeah. So even in Texas, same thing. So yeah, we just got to build our own outdoor gyms and, and I guess we'll be all right. But I think, yeah, finding the community and it seems like there's, there's a good amount of folks, you know, at least a, uh, a good small portion of folks that in LA that kind of are in our like-minded attitude. So I, I'd imagine we just kind of need to stick together and, and build that community in, in each regional area and yeah, build that momentum of, of kind of the virtues that, that we all foundational believe uh, will move society forward. And that's all you can kind of do. 
Absolutely. It, that's really important. I have been striving to create more of a community around here in an intentional way. And that's, that's another thing. If folks are in an urban environment, if they're feeling lonely, just try to connect with people. Social media is great for that. If you live in LA and you want to connect with local minded people, hit me up. There's a, we have a small movement meetup that goes to muscle beach. We meet up, we work out there, I play spike ball train, just kind of talk and chill. And it, it, it's, it seems like a small thing, but it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big thing to be able to connect with like-minded people and share movement or, you know, hang out and grill. And it's something that can be coordinated, especially through the internet is, is a great portal for that. Uh, to be able to connect with other like-minded people and in a, in a city, I think that's more available than most people realize is, is just, I would encourage anyone who's this is resonating with to just take a leadership role and just kind of try and create something like that because it, it's probably yeah. more acceptable than, than you think. And it, it's worthwhile. hundred percent. It's so important. Um, and I think putting yourself out there is probably the biggest challenge for, for most people. And yeah, it's, it's really hard, especially in this space. Like if you value the same things that we value, likely your family and your friends from high school think you're insane. Um, and you kind of just have, you have to put yourself out there uh, or else you're not going to find people that kind of resonate with in-person and that, that in-person connection is, is extremely important. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a big struggle being in a rural setting. So if you are in an urban population, use that to your advantage. There are people with that same mindset. You just have to find them. And yeah, that's great advice. Uh, question here at the end. What are three, since that's important, can't do four, <laughs> three books that you mentioned one of them, you could mention it again or give three other ones, three books that really had the most profound impact on like how you view the world and you know, health and everything that you stand for today. I'll, I'll repeat that first, that one that we already mentioned, just because it, it was a big one is blue, blue mind. So it's about the power of wild water on the human's body mind. Another one is the more beautiful world or hard snow as possible by Charles Eisenstein. Really love Charles Eisenstein's work. All his books are great. That one was especially powerful for me kind of gave me a lot of optimism and highlighted the power of optimism and how we can create a more beautiful world. We all know it. It just takes some action, takes some courage. And that book was a powerful catalyst for me to be more creative and be more energetic in my pursuit of being a part of that. And third book, man, I'm, I'm reading a great one right now, Untold Story of Milk. It's all about industrial <laughs> milk, raw milk. It's a great milk book. I'm uh, thoroughly enjoying it. If you're if you are a fan of raw milk, you will love this book. So that that'll be the the third one I'll put out there. Wow, I've never heard of that. That uh, that's cool. Yeah, it's we great. love we love raw milk. That's a big one. That's a juicy <laughs> one to open up. I'm sure. Actually, surprised there hasn't been more books written about milk. That makes that's cool. Well, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I had yeah, now that you say that. Yeah, it's kind of been a new frontier. I guess that's right. Like ten years ago, no one's really talking about raw milk, and now. I don't know what the impetus was to kind of get this ball rolling, but now it's, yeah, it's insane. So, I mean, I love it. I got raw milk. Actually, I got to go pick up in about 20 minutes here from the the local goat, goat farmer. Pretty stoked about that. Nice. But um, yeah. Case, where can people find you online and what you're preaching, what you're doing? If you Google Case Bradford, my socials will come up. My site will come up. I uh, 
I'm easy to connect with, get in touch with. So hit me up if you want to connect on anything. I'm an open, uh, open mind, open book. And yeah, it's been, been a pleasure, been a joy. Always enjoy our, our conversations. Thanks for asking so many great questions. What are you most excited about? Last question, like in the coming years, I guess, in your life or from like a health perspective, do you, do you have an area that you think would be kind of most the frontier that you're really into that you think people are going to get more into um, or something like that? I, I just want to leave people with something maybe that they can be excited about as well besides books. Well, light, lights me up is, is a lot of what we were talking about. For, for me, primarily, it's, it's movement practice movement training out, out in nature. And mm. it's also doing what I can to create and share ideas that help people dispel these illusions that, that we've been riffing on and help them access a higher state of vitality because it's just, it's been absolutely life-changing for me. I think about the man I am now versus the man I was 10, 15 years ago. And it's, it's night and day to the buoyancy and, and serenity and access to high quality of life and, and just finding ways to share that with others is absolutely exciting to me because I think about the world and how it could be versus how it is. And it's, it's just it's so powerful to think that we can just share these ideas. We can innovate, we can adapt, we can evolve, and we can access this more beautiful world. And it's, it's right there. It's, it's just going to take a, a, few, a few pieces of effort and energy, and, and we're right there. And that's really exciting to me because, man, it, it's, it's going to be a beautiful future. And I'm excited to see, what, see how it goes. Well, yeah, thanks for for embodying that. I think I agree with you that this is an area that is only going to continue to proliferate if we have, you know, people like yourself um, kind of leading the charge forward. And yeah, it's it really is a difference maker for me as well. And yeah, thanks for being an inspiration. Love your optimism. It's contagious and everything you're putting out. So I appreciate your case. Keep doing you and thanks for coming on. We'll, uh, we'll definitely have to connect in person soon, hopefully next year. That'd be exciting. Awesome. Sounds great. Thank you, Justin. Thanks everyone for another episode of decentralized radio that you're listening to. We'll see you next time.